Welcome back, Sons of Pitches. Second upload of the week because we had the return of the Champions League, Europa League, and the Conference League. So we're here to give you all the news and updates about that. Um, it was a little exciting, this game. All of our teams that we support also got to play. Unfortunately, it was the Europa League, not the uh, Champions League like we would have been. We would like to be in, but it wasn't. But of course, we will start with the Champions League. Uh, the first game of the week was Man City at Copenhagen, who... Uh, unsurprisingly lost to man city um i thought they were able to keep up a little bit i mean copenhagen were unfortunately this is the first time they've played competitively in like 60 days since they had that really big break which is interesting to see in a couple of these leagues across europe um but initial thoughts on the games someone hit me with it i wouldn't say it was uh too surprisingly this is a copenhagen team that i feel like uh have ruffled feathers, at least in the group stage. That's, right. you know, they were in a group with Bayern United um, as well as Galatasaray. And um, we all know who isn't playing in European competition anymore. So, um, but unfortunately for Copenhagen, they couldn't beat the blue part of Manchester. I thought um, they scored kind of your classic underdog team's goal at home in the round of 16. And I thought, I did think for a second that um, the atmosphere was good enough uh, if they could have kept up. Uh, in stride with City that they could have pulled a point out of the game, but uh, the air was taken right out of that uh, balloon pretty quickly. Uh, pretty fortunate goal. Bernardo Silva scored, and then after that, I don't think anybody thought uh, Copenhagen was going to scrape a second goal. Um, what I will say for Man City is um, it's kind of more of this shooting themselves in the foot defensively. I know um, John Luca had some emojis to send in the group chat uh, for Ederson. It was a it was a characteristic mistake of Ederson, especially recently. Um, they failed the deal um, with his uh, misplaced pass forward out of the back and Copenhagen pounced. So we'll see. I think if uh, Man City uh, have a mistake like that uh, in the latter stages of the tournament against a more um, prominent side, a more elite team in Europe, uh, who knows? It could be enough to see them exit the competition. But at least for right now, it looks like uh, City got the job done. I, I'm sure they'll uh, have a similar performance for the second leg. Yeah, at home, I mean, obviously, they'll be better favorites. I think if, if like you said, Copenhagen were to continue to ruffle some feathers, it was going to be in this home leg. Um, and it, I think it's unfortunate because, uh, like you said, they got that they got that bit of a scrappy goal right at home. Um, and I think if it wasn't for that break that I mentioned, they'd be a little bit more in form, a little bit more, you know, like right. in shape. You know what I mean? Because that takes a lot. I mean, you can work out as much as you want, be in training, but like game experience is a completely different thing, especially under competitive um, like nature. And then to, again, play one of like the best, if not the best team in the right. world. You know what I mean? That's not an easy task. So it's a bit of a thing for them. The other thing too, they were bleeding a new life into the side. I know I've, I've been a follower of Magnus Matson just from uh Sower perspective, he's somebody who I've actually owned in my gallery for a while. So I was actually pretty excited to see him make a move to Copenhagen and play in the Champions League. He made his debutant at home against City. I mean, what a big occasion. Um, he scores the goal, uh, and he was taking a lot of set pieces too. So it seems like it could be a Copenhagen that are uh, kind of turning a new leaf as well. Um, and even like you said, I mean, they haven't played a, a game in, in a couple months. So I didn't think it was their worst performance. 
Um, but it, I agree. I'm sure if this took place like around the group stage time, they, they maybe could have held a draw against City, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, not not too much else to add, really, from my perspective on the game. Uh, like you said, I felt like Copenhagen really were undone by the fact they haven't played competitive, competitively in so long. They haven't right. like Their last real competitive game was the last round of the Champions League, so um, it was always going to be a struggle for them from the start. Uh, I thought it was kind of insane that Scott McKenna was starting in the Champions League for them. Uh, at the back, that was kind of wild. I really did not expect to see that name in the back line uh, yeah, or on the team sheet. They have a couple names that have uh, done a little European tour in that team. I like I like their little team. Yeah, they definitely got some some interesting players in the squad. But uh, Man City, it's the they're the first. They broke another record in the Champions League. They're the first team to score three or more goals in seven comp- seven consecutive games, which is just absolutely wow. absurd in my opinion. Especially considering, I mean, Holland's just coming back too. So I think that's kind of absurd. But like you said, Ange. Um, I did have a lot to say about that Ederson mistake because I mean he's been doing it all season and it, it's it's gonna it's gonna come to the point where they're playing a real important game against a big team and that's gonna be what undoes them and it hasn't happened to them in the past and they've been able to come over overcome all the other other obstacles and win titles but this feels like the year that the title race is so close or even the race for the Champions League is so close that they could make a crucial mistake like that and that's it they're out right right yeah I agree. Yeah, and, and we've mentioned it, especially UG. I've mentioned it so many times that it really does start to feel like that's just gonna over, that's gonna hang over them. And one of these titles, either whether it be the league, the Champions League, or both, is gonna go down as a loss because right. of something like that. It feels that it's, way. It's hard to knock them about it because they're so prolific in attack that it right. really doesn't make a difference either way. But I mean, for me, it's becoming almost every week now that they're doing something like this, giving up easy goals. So it, right. it could be a problem. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my, my two cents on the game, I mean, probably the result we expected, but I think Diddy kind of left themselves open to a kind of shock result in that first half. They didn't necessarily seem 100% on it right mm-hmm. away. Um, we, we, you guys mentioned Grealish last week, but wow, what an awful season he's having, and then now an injury on top of it. So, I mean, they didn't they, they scored in the first 10 minutes, but I mean, yeah, that I think it was definitely open for... for uh, Copenhagen to kind of take a lead and maybe be honestly maybe even even at shot. the end of the game Foden's third goal I think is a little is kind of crucial actually because yeah right I mean every everything's open for them to 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 go to the Etihad and score first and they're right back in the tie if it finished two one so yeah, Foden's yeah. goal is definitely really important Absolutely. I mean we're nitpicking a three one win but I mean we've we've grown to have higher expectations from City and I think they kind of um uh not I wouldn't say lucky but this is a performance that. Uh, those are human could, could yeah. easily take advantage of yeah yeah sure. you hit on the nail with the, the on the head of the nail with that one because it is like city have set their own standards so it's when they have a and a performance that probably is you know bang average or or decent for most clubs is poor on their standards so it that's why they open themselves up to that kind of critique um but another game on the other game on tuesday night uh was real madrid at leipzig um, which Real Madrid were missing their, you know, big talisman in Jude Bellingham. But uh, Ange's boy, Brahim Diaz, filled those shoes really well and had a, a absolutely amazing goal, I thought, in that game. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of opportunities for both teams. Um, Leipzig just not living up. We've talked about them dipping a bit uh, a couple times, whether it be the league or the Champions League. Um, but, yeah, they couldn't make, take advantage of home field. Um, and Brahim Diaz really kind of took center stage in that game. How do you guys feel? 
I actually, I felt like Leipzig actually made a good account of themselves in this game, considering how they've been playing recently. I've been keeping an eye on them in the Bundesliga because it's been so yeah. intense recently. And they've been struggling. They've dropped points, I think, like five games in a row in the Bundesliga, but they really showed up in this game. I felt like they probably were the better side throughout. They definitely, in my opinion, deserved at least a point. Um, Shesko's goal that got uh, denied in the first half, like in the first three minutes, I think it was. Yeah, that was... No, but... I, I could see why the call was made. I, I understand where the goal, goalkeeper interference comes from and why it was offsides. But at the same time, Lunin wasn't going to get to that ball regardless. So uh, whether or not there's a, there's a man standing there or not, I still think you could probably allow that. But I see why it was called back. But overall, I felt like throughout the game, first half, second half, even after Madrid scored, I felt like Leipzig responded very well in this game. They were just really unfortunate. Lunin had a great game in net. I think he made yeah. a lot of good saves. Um, he he's really he really stood out for me this week. Um, I've kind of been touting him recently to you guys, saying that he's actually a pretty good goalkeeper, and even though he's been sitting on the bench for so long, uh, covering Courtois' ass, he's not bad, and uh, he's really showing that in the last couple of weeks. And he had an outstanding game this weekend, or this week, I should say. Yeah, I think uh, Leipzig are going to feel hard done by. I, I thought personally, I thought the goal should have stood. Maybe that's harsh. I don't. I didn't really care for the foul. I I was very confused. I. I thought it was offsides that they were calling. That's how touch and going was. I thought I forgot how the offsides rule worked for a second. I was analyzing the lines. I said, how, how is it possible that he's behind the last defender? But anyway, uh, the game actually reminded me a lot of uh, Leipzig-Leverkusen in the way that Leipzig came out. I mean, both the games were at home. They showed a ton of belief. They played their system. I love a nice little 4-4-2, a two-striker tandem. It's the best in my opinion, and mm-hmm. they just, the only difference was they just couldn't, they just didn't get the goal, and I think if if Lunin doesn't have his best performance, in my opinion, in a Real Madrid shirt so far in his young career, Leipzig might have come away um, with the win on the night. Um, I think they're lucky that it's 1-0, but I think Leipzig are going to have a lot of belief going into Madrid in a couple weeks because they showed that they, they could break this uh, Real Madrid team down. It's a Real Madrid team that... Um, have a lot of injuries. It's been a makeshift back four. Even again on the night, it was um, Nacho Fernandez coming back into the side. He's probably the fourth center back on the team sheet. Um, and they're playing Chiuameni still at center back as well. I know he's filled in well, but we'll see. I've, I've been kind of wondering if uh, Real Madrid's injuries are going to take a toll eventually. And maybe it's just because they have so much class and talent in the squad. And uh, somebody who I think is one of the best coaches to ever live in Ancelotti that they continue to get the job done. Um, but, hey, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Leipzig grabbed a goal or two in, in the second leg. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Leipzig, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, they, like their key players in Xavi Simons and Openda this season both didn't really get much of a, a chance at no. net. I think Openda, I was looking, only had one shot. I mean, young Ben Sesco, who's up and coming, did get like six chances. He had the, the bulk of their opportunities up front, um, but that's not their main guy right now. And um, so I guess credit to Real Madrid for taking those two players out of the game because that's obviously key for Leipzig. So in the return leg, if they can if they can get those two players kicking and if the team can perform well, yeah, like you said, there's, a, there's an opportunity. It's only 1-0 on aggregate. Um, but then to, along with G, I think Lunin had a great game. And I think, I know Courtois is out for the season, if I'm not wrong. I think come next season, if Lunin keeps this performance throughout the season, it's going to be hard for Courtois to just walk back in because how I'll do you... I'll be honest with you, if Courtois does, walks back in the team, Lunin should go. Lunin yeah. should go get a number one job somewhere because he's, he's earned it, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. With these performances, you can't sit the bench. You need to go, you need to be mm-hmm. playing absolutely. starting minutes every time. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting choice for Art Ancelotti in the upper echelons of Real Madrid. 
Uh, Jay, yeah. did you have anything to add about that game? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think a little bit of kind of similar to the last game where I think Leipzig will kind of think they, they it was a missed opportunity this game because mm-hmm. you're going to get into Madrid. I mean, even a, a Madrid that's kind of down a few people is still ridiculous. Right. Um, but yeah, you got to makeshift back line a bit. You've got some players playing out of position. You're looking at third, fourth choice, got third or fourth choice guys in, in at center back. And um, yeah, you probably at home, you think you may be able to nick one away. But um, yeah, I think like like Ange said, I don't know if they got that big game performance in them. They don't necessarily show up uh, for the, for the important ones. Like they're talented, they're young and talented, but I think they're still missing a few pieces to really compete at this level. Yeah, and um, with the that game coming to a conclusion, we do move on to Wednesday, where um, probably a game. I guess on paper for me, I, I know we've been this team has been coming under scrutiny from us. And just in general, but I just would think Bayern would squeak the edge over Lazio in this game. But uh, that is not what happened. They did lose back to back. Bayern just looking shockingly un-Bayern esque. Uh, you right. know, in our group chat, we've been talking about Tuchel if his head is going to be on the chopping block in terms of the managerial position. But yeah, Mobile converted that penalty. Bayern went down to ten men, and it was just uh, a messy game from the Munich players. But uh, how did you guys feel? I actually want to give Lazio a lot of credit. I actually, I, I really enjoyed this game. It was, I know it was a one goal affair and Bayern didn't have much to offer, but I was, I was pretty impressed um, with Lazio. Uh, Maurizio Sarri and his Sarri ball is something that always um, caught my attention, especially when he pulled that out in Napoli. And I thought he did a pretty good job at Chelsea as well. And this Lazio team don't play Sarri ball as fluid um, as I thought they would have with the likes of Luis Alberto, who really is one of my favorite Serie A players I've ever seen. I know they lost Malinkovic-Savage. Um, but the player they brought in to replace him in Matteo Guendouzi, I thought was man of the match. I thought Guendouzi was unbelievable. His ability to pick up the ball from deep. Um, he was a metronome at times, switching the ball from left to right. And Bayern had a, I don't know, Bayern had a tough time dealing with uh, Felipe Anderson and Gustav Isaacson. Isaacson is a player that they got from Michelin that. Um, Really had a had a really poor start to the Serie A. He wasn't fitting in as well. Um, he's made himself into a starter now. Um, but yeah, I just felt like it was a lot of the same things they struggled with against Leverkusen. It was the attacks from wide, um, where Lazio were kind of doing damage, and it was just yeah, it was very strange. Now um, we got to talk about the red card because I thought that was just an awful decision. I know he stamps on, um, I think it was Isaksen in the exactly, box, yeah. and but I just don't. I don't think that was enough um, for a penalty. If you watch it in live time, I think everybody was shocked. I know the Bayern fans were absolutely appalled. Um, I know Opa Meccano received some abuse, which is terrible, and Bayern uh, um, kind of threw water on that fire, which was terrible to see occur. But I didn't, I didn't agree with the sending off at all. I thought that was harsh. I was surprised that um, he went to Delict because uh, there was uh, there was a little scuffle between uh, Delict and Tuchel. Um, some backhanded comments. Uh, Delict was asked, you know, if he wasn't being picked um, because of fitness, um, and Delict's quote was, "I'm top fit." So there's a lot of questions to be asked of Tuchel, and we'll see. I was telling John Luca, it's going to be a little space we have to watch if he fields Delict as a starter um, in the second leg. But there's definitely been turmoil in the Bayern locker room, and I can't say I'm particularly surprised that Lazio were able 
um, to pull the rabbit out of the hat and get the goal. I mean, no, I don't want to disrespect Lazio. They've kind of been on fire. I'm pretty sure they've won their last seven or eight games, right? That was a lie because they lost to Atalanta. But at least in the Serie A, they, they, they have had some pretty good momentum. Um, so it was nice yeah. to see them win. It was great for, the, for Italy's coefficient too. So I, I enjoyed the game. Yeah, uh, for me, I actually thought Bayern didn't play actually all that bad in the first half. I just felt like they couldn't finish. Uh, they were cr- creating all the chances. Their their interplay around the box was actually pretty impressive. I thought they had that one sequence where there was a few one-two passes right at the top of the 18, and I think Musiala it was that blazed over. But, um, I mean, on another day, I think they scored those chances, and probably uh, the result's different even at halftime. But that the fact that Lazio, I think, made it to halftime, nil-nil gave them so much belief. And they came out in the second half a completely different side. They were much more attacking. Uh, they were able to find a lot more space. And that was really where you saw Bayern be- begin to fall apart. That was how they fell apart against Leverkusen, was in transition when, when the players out wide, uh, wide began to find space and make runs in behind. And that's exactly what happened um, in this game. I mean, the, the penalty comes from a run being made in behind by Felipe Anderson. A couple balls get played through, and all of a sudden they're in the box. It, was, it wasn't a long exchange or a possession for Lazio. They just made a couple quick passes, and all of a sudden Bayern were out at sea defensively. So I think that there's got to be a lot of questions, not just asked of the players, but of Tuchel too, because like clearly there's some there has to be a disconnect here. I mean, he tried to change systems last week. He went back to the normal system this week. It's, it's, it looks like the players don't know what they're doing. It looks like they don't know what their instructions are on the field. It doesn't look like anybody knows what their role is, who's supposed to be going where and when at what time. And it, it just looks like a, a big clusterfuck. Like, I really don't know how else to describe it. It's just a mess at this point at Bayern. And, you know, he's lost more games than Nagelsmann at this point. So I, I really think it's uh, he's just sitting on a ticking time bomb now before he gets the chop. I really won't be shocked if he's not there in three weeks when the second leg happens. Uh, I don't know about how you guys feel, but... Yeah, well, it's just I, shocking, really. Everything I've been reading is that they basically fully back him. They have no chance, no plans to move on from him, which is yeah. a bit surprising. Yeah, I saw that but, today too, which is crazy. I mean, when you when you think about it, we talk about this a lot. We got to just give the manager time, back him a bit, because they've kind of become a team. If you look at all the big clubs, they've gone through more managers than than anybody, really. Like they in the last what four or five seasons, I think they've had at least three or four coaches, if not more. Nagelsmann, Tuchel, there's three right there. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, you want to move on from him, but you also want to give a coach time to kind of establish themselves. And yeah, like you said, I I think he's panicking and kind of just trying to see what sticks. He's throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Give uh give everything a shot, see what, what works well. And I mean, and I know you mentioned you weren't necessarily too... Um, convinced of the the penalty i think that's pretty much a clear penalty every day no i didn't think it was a, i didn't think it was a sending off sending off ah uh, yeah, yeah. i was i was rare. shocked absolutely shocked to see the red card come out when that happened it was, it was, it was certainly yeah. reckless uh, I feel but like, yeah I, I i think it could have been a yellow yeah as far i did want to comment on tuchel but we were just talking about the red card we we have seen in these past like couple months like every time var like goes to a replay and it's like a slow-mo and then like something happens where the studs end up on the player's leg regardless of the context it's they some reason almost always go to a red actually the benfica game today had a a stamp for their pen and it was only a yellow it ended up in a second in the sending off because it was a second yellow but it's just weird that like they just keep taking things in this context of slow motion the game is not played in slow Mm. motion i mean it's played in a lot of time but even in this case i mean the referee didn't even consult um Oh, he really? seemed pretty. Yeah, oh, yeah he seemed that. pretty. Yeah, he went, 
Straight to the red. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was absurd too because he, I mean he gives a penalty not for nothing. Like isn't that already damage enough? Right. How are you gonna go send it? Like what happened to double jeopardy where you don't give a you don't give a penalty in a red card? I was gonna card, ask that. I didn't want to sound stupid. I thought is that only keepers? Yeah. Double jeopardy only apply to keepers? Or is I thought that applied to everything, but I apparently not anymore. I think more like on that one v one thing. I thought the weirdest thing too is like um you know if if Isaksen was in on goal about to be one v one and Upamakano just absolutely stamps on him right. in the box then i think that would have constituted for a red card as well but i mean there was like six or seven other players in the box too right, right. it's not like Isakson uh was 20 yards sprinting well, towards wasn't goal. Denied a clear i think, that's the, point. I think right. the, the, yeah. the point is where he can shoot him above the ankle i don't think right. the rest of it doesn't yeah. matter i think if this yeah. is at yeah. midfield he catches him above the ankle typically right. it's always a straight red but i think the direction that it came from is a little i mean i'm biased because i did break my ankle in that same manager but <laughs> um but um i think from that direction it's a little bit I, I i don't know it's tough it's close yeah there was a couple of alarm bells ringing on the night uh for Bayern. i think john luca brought it up too i mean not only could they not finish they couldn't they couldn't put a ball on goal i mean when's the last time Bayern haven't registered a shot on target i don't know um and it's back-to-back -back losses to Bayern. the last time they lost back-to-back -back games 2019. I'll, I'll give you a guess. Who they? Who do you think they lost the first of those two games to? Oh man, like first Leverkusen or something. Ding, ding, ding! It was really? Bayer Leverkusen, and on the same occasion, it's Bayer Leverkusen that they lose first two again. So we'll see. I mean, is it really alarm bells? I mean, I just said Bayern haven't lost back-to-back -back games for about five seasons. Right, so right. we'll see. It's just the expectations that come with an elite club like Bayern. There's some fans that are saying Tuchel's the worst coach that Bayern's ever had in their history. I mean, to have a Champions League winner be your worst coach, I would I would take that personally. Yeah, but yeah. It's, we'll it's, it's, interesting for, it. it's interesting for Bayern because they're in a league that they've dominated, right? So it's almost expectation to win. But in reality, no other league is, is much like that except for like PSG and Ligue 1. It, it shouldn't right. be an expectation that you win the league. It should be an expectation you, you know, you compete for it. But uh, I mean, uh, like I said, and, uh, G was saying, Tuchel keeps switching up the formation. Yeah, like you said, he's just he doesn't know what he what he's doing. But I I want to critique though. Harry Kane was on fire right when he first joined Bayern. Absolute just monster. I think he had twenty nine goal contributions this season already. But since January, he's played eight matches and he's only put the the ball in the back of net on three occasions. Um, and it, almost every time he doesn't score, Bayern essentially lose. So it, right. it, it's interesting that he's just not on form because that's the talisman they brought him in to score goals to win to win the Champions League to you know to win trophies and he slowed down a lot. Now is it is it him on misform? I mean every every player deserves a little bit of downtime, but it also could Can be I the Tuchel thing. Make a point here. I yeah. actually I don't know. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say this is a point, but I want to hear what you guys think personally because for me over the years seeing the Bayern team, they've always had a type of striker that's kind of a target man, like right. someone for the midfielders like a Musiala and Asana to look for. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like Harry Kane doesn't really play like that. He drops deep more. Right. Uh, and he finds so. himself side by side pretty much with Musiala most of the time. I think that's having an effect on their, their attack. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it should realistically, like, because the way Muller has played a lot is almost like a second striker, like, so in an in an opportunity where where Kane drops back into midfield, you would think he could go in there and be the the number nine for that that per, that period of play. And I feel like he's the perfect strike partner for him. I don't know if it's maybe he's getting up there in age and really can't doesn't have it anymore. But I'm really surprised it's not working as well 
Um, I think only recently too, because like I said, uh, Kane was on fire uh, before the new year. Well, something's definitely something's definitely changed in the way that they're playing. Mm -hmm. Like in the last, you can make it pretty clear. I think it's the Sonny hasn't scored in seventeen games. He was on fire to start the beginning of the season. Like something something's wrong there. I think when you're constantly changing, you now have players who are, I don't want to say one trick ponies, but like they're used to playing a specific way and doing it a certain way. So when you're trying to ask everybody to switch up a little bit, then you're kind of, you're losing the best out of the best. So now Mm -hmm. like your best players are just above average. So like Harry, Harry Kane's a world-class player. You ask him to take away half his game. He's no longer a world-class player. Yeah, so it's, right. it's 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 the balance they got to find with with getting everybody back into form and playing a system that fits everybody. Um, and yeah, that's that's a challenge Tuchel has. Something else I think that's been really noticeable the last two games, especially not so much against Lazio, but definitely against Leverkusen. Um, I've the players are losing their head way more than I have ever seen Bayern Munich players lose their head in my life. I mean, yeah. if you see some of the reactions after after things don't go their way or they concede a goal, I, in my opinion, I've never seen any Bayern Munich player do that in my life. So, I mean, there, something you can—it's pretty obvious. I think I think we can all see that there's something wrong, and Tuchel needs to start fixing it fast. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you this: I think this is probably the first time they feel truly threatened in the league. Right. Yeah. And in years, they don't know how to react. Years. Yeah. And actually, I that's think true. That's a good point. They've that's had good this good mentality for ten years. I mean, from the president to the fans down, everybody believes they are the rightful holders of the trophy every right. year, no matter what. No matter what team comes, they are the rightful owners. And now they're literally coming from behind. They've lost to the title rivals, um, and I believe drawn the first the first round they played mm-hmm. right. So they haven't beaten them. They're down a few points, and now you've got. Your core of your best players with Muller and New and Neuer, they're past their their best. They're kind of falling off a bit, and you're struggling a bit with your coach and kind of gathering everybody together. You got uh, fighting within the locker rooms. They're they're in uncharted territory, yeah. um, and I do think there's a bit of a elitist mentality who they they expect everything to just come to them, and now they have to fight for it a bit harder, and they're not really ready for it, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know how they, how they recover from it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to to watch as the season continues and as the Champions League continues. Um, see if Bayern can regain a little bit of their former glory. Um, but moving on to the last game of the Champions League week, we did only have the four. Um, we did have a Paris Saint-Germain victory versus Real Sociedad in Paris. Um, for... Uh, we also see that kind of like giving up on themselves a little bit in the last half hour. I think they they held well for the good first hour, um, but then they just kind of had to lose pace. They are playing away. I would I will be enjoying this game when it returns to Spain. I think they still have a good chance to bring it back because PSG are known to kind of fumble the bag a little bit. Um, but yeah, Mbappe scores, who actually also we'll probably talk about a little bit, broke some news today um, that he will be leaving at the end of the season on a free. A lot of clubs already considering that move that option um but as far as the game itself how did you guys feel yeah it was um psg playing host to sociedad at the parc de prince in the city of love on the day of love and as all things should be uh psg won the game but i think uh real sociedad actually came out flying i thought they were the better team in the first half to be honest they asked a lot of questions of 
Paris's back line. I know one of the stats they said in the broadcast was PSG and Sociedad were actually the two teams that pressed the most um, in the group stage. And I think you saw it. I think it was evident on the pitch. I thought it was a high-flying affair. And, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Sociedad almost looked like they kind of run out of gas and then became a little too individualistic. I know Kubo was trying to take things on um, his shoulders and make things happen in the last uh, 20 minutes. And it, it looked like it was going to be a really solid team performance. And I think PSG's uh, extra bit of quality on the night just got the job done for them. But I agree. I think um, Sociedad should definitely believe in themselves. It's a PSG squad that haven't gotten past around a 16 um, in the last three seasons. Um, and I think the first 45, really the first 60 minutes for Sociedad should give them belief that they can grab a couple goals and uh, hit PSG with a sucker punch. So we'll see. I think I agree. I think there's more to come from this tie. Uh, but as far as PSG, I thought Zaire Emery was great. He was very progressive, um, always uh, asking questions and flying around the pitch. He's kind of kind of reminds me of a wasp, to be honest. I know I got to watch him twice as they were in Milan's group, and he was great. Um, Fabian Ruiz made kind of a return. He had a pretty good assist. Somebody that uh, kind of flew under the radar is moved from Napoli. I, I know my dad was never really a fan of him, and he was actually pretty uh, glad that he left uh, Napoli, but it was cool to see him get a run in the side. Uh, and I wanted to shout out Boraldo, too, young left back. He's recently been blended to the team, Brazilian-born. Um, I believe he's from Sao Paulo. Yeah, he is. Um, somebody who I actually had a little bit of an eye on uh, over the summer from watching the Brazilian League. He was one of the players that they talked about a lot in all the Sao Paulo games and touted him for a move, and I think he's done pretty well. He made his Champions League debut as a starter um, and got the dub, so kudos to him. Yeah, yeah personally, I felt like if there was any... If there was a tie that would surprise us in this round of 16, I thought Sociedad would be the team to do it. They didn't lose in the in the group stages at all. They only conceded twice in their in their six games, which is incredible. Um, but I felt like you guys said they played. I thought they played fantastic for 60 minutes. I think they were really unlucky to concede in the way that they did. Um, Hamari Traore was fantastic all game, marking Mbappe pretty much out of the game, and then yeah. what do you know when he goes off to get treatment because he he collides with Mbappe. That's where the goal comes from because right. he's not there to man mark him on the corner like he had been doing on every other set piece throughout the game. And they put Kubo, which I thought was a wild decision in the first place. They put Kubo on Mbappe, and we all know how that's going to go. So that really, I felt like it almost looked to me like PSG were unsure of themselves again. Like yeah. we've seen them become in the last two or three seasons now in the Champions League where they're like, oh shit, I don't know if we can do this actually. And they were very surprised, I think, by. Sociedad's ability to press them. I also think that, that PSG is really not the best team in the world at building out from the back. And the fact that they play in such a, I hate to say farmer's league, but they don't really have such a competitive uh, game week in and week out. And they're not pressed in that way every week. I think they really struggled with that. And that's why you saw so much success from Sociedad in the first half. But once that goal went in, it seemed like the PSG players all of a sudden believed in themselves a lot more. Uh, they felt like they could find inroads and, and really break down uh, Sociedad defensively, which they weren't able to do really at all until that point. And from there, it was pretty much one-way traffic for PSG. Um, although I think if that shot, I think it was Bryce Mendez that hit it right on the cusp of halftime, right off the crossbar. If yeah. that goes in, I think I think uh, this tie is completely different. I think P PSG would struggle to even come away with a draw in the second half. 
Yeah, I have to agree. After that first goal, PSG definitely started rolling. They definitely felt more comfortable and sure of themselves. But uh, Real associate that, though. You mentioned, G, they only conceded twice in the group stage, then obviously conceded twice on Wednesday. Um, but also, they've been in a run of games. I think they, they haven't scored a goal since the five. 23rd of yeah, January. They've been does, struggling in, in La Liga lately. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like a lot, but like you said, they played they played five games um, and even before that, they only managed to squeak out like one goal victories. Um, yeah, they've, the most hit, part. they've hit a tough run of form at really the worst possible time. Yeah. Even even for the league too, because they're falling out of the European places now. Right. Yeah, they just can't I find mean, the back of the net. I saw them in the group stage. I mean, we were Benfica's group and they, were, they had some runs where they looked, they looked fantastic for some periods of play, like unplayable, like they were playing us off the field. Right. So, I mean, they, they, they have it. They'd have to kind of get back to their into the swing of things. But I'll, I'll give you some rare PSG defense. Um, that that lineup is probably only contains six people they'd like to start. So that's not really something you get out of PSG when they kind of face any bit of adversity and actually overcome it. So I'll give them a little bit of credit there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with G. This is, this is the one I had my eye on for an upset. And I'm a little disappointed we didn't get it. But there's there's definitely some hope. Uh, with the return like i think that should be uh, a tasty affair yeah and i mean we also said i also have a couple of injuries that i think are kind of key in their midfield uh, i'm gonna butcher these but um mikel or or yarzabal and yeah, no, uh, Yarzabal, yeah. yeah and Al alvaro or diazola typically start for them on uh yep. and control the game for them and then karen tyranny who obviously is a pretty decent player usually on the fullback position so that, that's like that's something they're missing i think and mm -hmm. and um and of course, you want when you're playing a team of PSG's caliber. Obviously, um, they're still pretty good. As much as we talk a little bit of crap about them, you want all the talent you can put on the field, and they just weren't didn't have that. So I don't. I'm not sure when yeah. the predicted return dates of those players are. But if they can get a couple of those players back in the return leg, play in Spain, that we could see something special out of them. But if we are all set, we will move to the Europa League, where we all have a nice deep stake in it. So. Um, Come these next couple rounds, we might be having some head-to-head -head matches, uh, especially mm. the fact that I think we all won today. Oh, except for G who tied, but still, that's, that's still a progress. You didn't lose, so you're still progressing. I'm going to be honest with you. I'll take I'll take the draw. Yeah. Uh, I guess since we're talking about it already, we might as well go right, through, yeah, right to the Roma game. But uh, yeah, so we played Feyenoord today. It's the third year in a row in the European competition that we're playing Feyenoord. Um, so I was, I don't know, when I saw the draw, I was kind of expecting... Uh, an easy win, really, but since things have transpired in the way that they have uh, since then, uh, I wasn't totally confident going into this game, um, but I saw when I saw the players that Feyenoord had out, I was immediately much more confident. However, that changed very quickly. Uh, but Feyenoord were out Bijlo, who's pretty much Dutch is not, the Dutch national team's number one goalie at this point. Uh, no Hertruda, no Quentin Timber. Uh, Santiago Jimenez didn't start. He was on the bench, which I thought was absolutely shocking. I really couldn't believe that he didn't start this game. But, uh, yeah, I thought I thought we had a little bit more hope than I originally anticipated, but uh, we just didn't play well today at all, really. I just didn't think we could create anything. Lukaku, I know he scored, but he was kind of a ghost, really, throughout this game. He really was non-existent. Uh, he doesn't look himself lately. Uh, Dybala, as well, doesn't really look himself. Uh, I, I'm not really too sure what's going on there. Uh, he d Personally, to me, he doesn't look fully fit. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's been fully fit this whole time. 
in the last three or four weeks now, but he just doesn't look like he's playing uh, up to scratch and up to his standard. Uh, but I want to spotlight Eduardo Bove because I think he's been absolutely um, fantastic. I think if if I was to name a Roma player of the season at this point in time, from what I've seen so far, it would be Eduardo Bove. I th- he's incredible. I think if the, if there's someone who's in line to be the next Roma captain, it's Eduardo Bove. Uh, he's another Roman-born boy. He knows the club. He's been through it since he was a kid. And just the, the effort he puts in on the field, man. I, I could watch this kid play all day, every day. He never stops running for 90 minutes. He'll die on that field if he has to, if it means winning the ball, any, even winning a 50-50 challenge. Like, he, he does not care. He puts his life on the line. He contributes in every facet of the game, in attack, in midfield, in defense. And it's just it's just awesome to see an all-action midfielder like that because we really don't have him that much anymore. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm very... I would say I'm pretty satisfied actually coming out of this game with a draw. I think Feyenoord would probably feel a little hard done by that they didn't come up with something more. They definitely had the better chances. They hit the post a couple of times. Um, but other than that, not really too much else. Um, I'm, I'll try, I can chime in. I think oh yeah. um, I'm glad that you respected Feyenoord because Feyenoord, in my opinion, there's a couple of players in this Feyenoord team that are going to be household names pretty soon. Um, I do try to keep up on the Eredivisie and especially the goal scorer. Pai Xiao, I think he's like 100% going to move. Oh, he was absolutely um, the, kid is, the best player on the pitch by a mile today. Yeah, if, if you haven't watched this kid play, you got to go watch Igor Pai Xiao. I think he's unbelievable. His technical ability, dribbling. Um, he's getting to the point where he commands a ton of attention, especially in the Eredivisie. He got the goal on the night. Um, and even Matt Weaver has been touted a couple times with making a move to, I think, Atletico Madrid. Um we're pretty close to getting his signature in January. I think they've agreed on a pre-contract for him to join. Um, th- to be honest, there's some players in this final team that would start um, for Roma. A couple of really good oh, athletes. Absolutely. Um, and I agree. I, I'm going to be honest. I thought Feyenoord should have won. And I think so far um, in this De Rossi tenure at Roma, they has the level of playing increased? Yes. Uh, but they really haven't impressed me. Results-wise, I think this Roma side have beaten the teams that we accept, expect them to beat. They've mm-hmm. lost to the team that we expect them to lose to. And I think they tied a team that, honestly, is on their level. I mean, you guys traded European finals, um, and today was a draw. So I actually voted on an online um, poll on Twitter. Uh, I feel pretty good. Uh, only 8% of people that voted had a tie. I was one of them. So how's that for a little knowledge? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you're right. I think Final were much better. The only thing is I will say... Uh, Svilar needs to be the number one. Uh, I'm sick of seeing Rui Patricio at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought Svilar was actually pretty good. He was he was great today. I mean, he you can just see how much more confidence he instills in the back line. Even when he just has the ball at his feet, he's so much quicker. He's so much calmer. Every time Rui Patricio, even the ball doesn't even have to go towards him. I start getting nervous because I'm just not a, not really sure what he's gonna do, and I'm not really sure he knows what he's gonna do either. So I, I just think it's about time we give Svilar the number one for at least the rest of the season because. He deserves it. I think he, for his performance he's put in the Europa League, uh, he's been more than steady. And I think it's just he deserves it. Uh, there's nothing really else to say. Rui sucks. I hate yeah. to say it because I, I, really, I really liked Rui Patricio a lot over the years. A, I think it's his birthday today, too. I it is his birthday yeah, today. Is. But Mila I feel like I gave him a great gift of showing him how to play goalkeeper today. So hopefully he takes that yeah. and runs with it. Yeah, his I ears are ringing right now on his birthday. Time for uh, Rui Patricio to pack it up and uh, come home to leave. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I think it might be time. 
Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, G, before we moved, kind of a general yeah. idea of how you feel about the team. So obviously, De Rossi and didn't let you forget that the first three wins you guys played were against relegation contenders, right? Where yeah. you were feeling really good. And then, of course, you've, you've now played Inter, got uh, got beat, and then drew this game against Ferenard. Do you feel like it's still progress moving forward? I know a couple of the, like Angelino sat the bench on this one. I know he had a subpar performance last game. Um, but now Chris Smallin's coming back from injury. He's been on the bench yep. soon to be introduced, I'm sure. Abraham Tammy's back, back soon. So in general, do you think um, De Rossi will continue to improve this team? Do you think it was like a, a little bit of like you guys had easy fixtures? What are your overall thoughts about? I, I, I honestly, I really, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm really, I'm shocked at how well he's done so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's shown... Okay, obviously we've beaten the bottom team, the bottom three right. teams in Syria. We probably should have gotten something from the Inter game, but we didn't, and we didn't play well today. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's shown that there's de- there's something to build on. Okay, there, he's shown that we have there's still an identity in this team. Uh, he's shown that the, the players believe in him. They believe in his his ideas and his new tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that shows in the fact that the players have taken to them so quickly. I mean, you see some of the change in the players and their attitude. Someone like Pellegrini, who now all of a sudden he's acting like a captain again in these last five games. Uh, until this point, he's been pretty much non-existent for the entire season. Yeah. So I think it may not, like, obviously, if you just look at it black and white, it doesn't look like we've changed that much. It doesn't look like much progress has been made. But I think there's definitely a lot of positives to take from each game, personally, for me. I, I, see, I see improvement each game. Nice. Perfect. Um, so another game that happened earlier today, um, one of the first games of the Europa League was the Spartan game. Obviously, I'm happy we did go away to the young boys and we did win 3-1. Um, it wasn't all super comfortable. I think young boys did give themselves a little bit of credit with a couple of chances that got ruled out offsides by VAR, just in general offsides. Um, those specific chances for me highlighted a little bit that sometimes Spartan's back line likes to fall asleep a little bit when we get comfortable. Um, but granted, we did hold a good offensive line. We do hold a little bit of a higher line. Um, and obviously, they did well to do so because th- those goals were caught off sides. Um, but another good Giocades performance, a goal today. Um, Edwards did get the star. I know I mentioned the other day that he's been riding the pine, but um, he did get the star today. And I think he performed pretty well. Um, I think he tried to prove himself a little bit, didn't get on the score sheet or anything, but I think he, he did well by his own accounts. Um, and then... I also think that Braganza had a decent game. He, get, he comes under scrutiny. A lot of opposing fans, a lot of the Sporting fans obviously love him because he's a little academy lad. Um, but I think he's beginning to prove himself. I think he hasn't reached the, the levels that he was originally touted to. But I think um, he's good enough to come in and obviously play a Europa League fixture like this. Um, Inacio had another really good goal. Actually, matter of fact, I almost forgot. Edwards had the cross in for the own goal for the first goal for Sporting. So he I technically, you know, assisted it because um, that was on its way to Giocades if the if the, um, the defender hadn't slapped that in the back of the net, which is actually a great finish. If you guys watch it back, he like side volleys that perfectly into the roof of the net. It was beautiful. Um, but overall, it was a really good performance from them. It's good to see that we went away, took the dub. I feel confident coming home that we just have to hold, obviously, a two-goal lead and just not stoop down to the level and just to have a good performance and we'll make it through. Um, I don't know if you guys have any comments or questions for me, but I did have a cup. Oh, you can get Jack. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, I, I think it was pretty impressive because you guys did do a little bit of rotation. I granted you still have your main your main guys going in there. Right. But I was gonna make your the captain, same point. Yeah, Coates, 
And you did you see why he? Did you see why he didn't play? He was on the team sheet actually. He uh, bowed out because he didn't want to play on the Astro turf. I saw. Oh really? Well, yeah. Really? I thought he yeah. was injured. No, I saw. Oh, wow. I was. I was actually watching a SoRare podcast. There's some guys okay. that were pissed that had him uh, fielded in their lineups, but that was the what I saw going around was that he. I guess he chose not to play, and mm-hmm. I know it's. It's listed as a muscle injury, but as far as I know, he played on the weekend, the full match. So, right, right, yeah, yeah, it had to do with yeah. the pitch. He is getting That's up there in age. So, I mean, it, uh, little rotation things. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised if he, right, he ever has to step right. out. But no, I will say it's it, it's pretty impressive that you guys are able to rotate a bit and then introduce a few uh, young kids into the yeah. into the team and, and get some meaningful minutes. Um, and now you come home with a two goal lead where. You probably can do it again, and right. then still be um, be ready for. I know we've been talking about it. We've got we've got a lot of good games coming up where, yeah. between uh, Benfica and Sports. We got three times in 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 four weeks or so. So I think he, this is a very good time to get um to get that result. Yeah, and I was going to say the same thing. I mean, these Europa League fixtures. It's no two three weeks uh, breaks in between the next tie like it is in the Champions League. These teams right. will be playing again and in a week's time, and I was going to say the same thing because these are the types of fixtures where, you know, I think if maybe uh, Benfica and Porto's results on the weekend were different, that Emery, I think he would have had more to think about. I think he probably had less pressure um, yeah. on his head to make uh, rotational changes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I mean, they play four more games uh, just in the month of February alone, so... Uh, we'll see what Sporting does, but yeah, I, I'm, I was going to say I'm sure you were impressed to see some some key figures in the eleven uh, rotated and still a um, a pretty a pretty up to standard uh, performance for at least how the way Sporting been playing this year. So uh, hats off to them. I think Emerson's uh, managing the situation well. We'll see um, how they do. Uh, obviously, there's a big tie, the Portuguese Cup coming up, so right. we'll see. Yeah, I'm actually I'm glad you guys brought that up. Uh, and Jay reminded me about the the young kids that came on later. It's funny because I think we're going to make a similar point, but in the opposite way. I think Emurain, uh handles squad rotation well and uh, and handles game management well. And I think Jay already knows what I'm going to yeah. say later. Um, but, to, but to stay on Sporting, um, yeah, it's nice to see that. Like, Because I had mentioned at the last pod that um, that Yulman and Morita are like the only options in the midfield, and I don't like to right. rotate it too much. But Daniel Bregenza comes in, not an overly exceptional, like, you know, man of the match performance, but good enough to play. You know, we win the game, and that's what's important. He's getting the result here. So it's good that, especially in, in a season where we're really, really, really competing for the title, and we can still rotate matches, it, it, rotate players in these matches in the Europa League and progress further and, you know, get closer and closer to winning as much silverware as potentially possible, you know. Um, and of course, the two kids that came in, Rafael Nell, um, who I wasn't overly familiar with, but I knew he, he gets his name tossed around every now and then. He's a striker. And then uh, Koba, who came from, I'm already drawing a blank, and where he came, we just signed him in um, uh, January from Estoril. Um, okay. He got introduced. I think he looked good, actually. He has a little bit of flair to him, which I like. Uh, he also has a bit of physical presence, too. So he was winning a couple duels, uh, winning a couple of dribbles. So that was really nice. So it's another player that. You know, if uh, we have to rotate every now and then, maybe in a, in a game that we're more comfortable, he can step in, which is nice. Um, but yeah, overall, just a solid performance from them. Um, and that, of course, leads us, I think the next game would be you, Angelo, where Milan had a nice 3-0 victory, pretty comfortable, all being said That's by the right. end of the game. I don't know if he felt comfortable the whole time. Um, yeah. But Liao did score. We actually we did talk about how he hasn't been scoring, and of course he did. It's almost like some of these guys watched the pod. Tuchel puts in Guerrero at left back. 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Must be getting some influence. But please, Ian, share your thoughts on the game. Yeah, I was I was pretty pleased. I, I know I've been saying the last couple podcasts I've been waiting for the Europa League to kick off because um, I just don't feel like we're really in a race for the Scudetto and I can't really see us falling out of the top four. So this is really our only chance uh, at some joy. It's certainly our only chance we have left at a trophy. And I think Milan came out uh, and played like they knew it was their only chance at a trophy. I was very surprised uh, at how fiery Milan came out. Uh, Pioli opted to go with uh, Eunice Musa in the midfield instead of Adley, which I was kind of surprised with because obviously Adley has French roots. He's played in Liga, and I thought I would have thought he would have been better suited um, for this game, but Pioli uh, went with Musa. He introduced Reinders back in the team who was suspended on the weekend, so when I first saw the team sheet, I thought, oh, shit, I mean, we're going with two midfielders who haven't really played uh, at all together this season. I think Reinders has the most minutes for Milan this year. Um, so I was happy to see him reintroduced, but we look great. Loftus cheek a brace again. It's a second brace in um in about a month's time. I was uh I was pleased with him, and I I don't know if anyone watched if anyone else watched the game. I know it's easy to say this because he scored two headers. I think he was the tallest player on the pitch. I think he was taller than every single Rens player. He he looked like a Greek god. Um, to be honest, roaming around the field the way he picked up the ball, it seemed like he had absolutely no pressure to play. Um. So he scored the brace, and then Leao, Teo Hernandez, uh, it's being named Teao now um, in the media. What a goal they combined for. Leao's bringing back um, the number 10 flair. He's, he looked like Ronaldinho on that goal, dare I say it, the little back heel. Um, and I think it shows uh, a lot about his mindset. Uh, he's not letting uh, the naysayers get to him. He's playing with a smile on his face, his trademark smile. Um, we all know the types of... Uh, the type of mentality and happiness you have to play with to pull out um, a back heel like that. I know it was a stage in the game where Milan weren't really pressured and were kind of steamrolling at that point, but it was a great pass. It was a really good finish, in my opinion. Uh, and I like the celebration uh, a lot. I don't know if anybody saw it, but he looked super relieved to have scored. I know he's I was going to say that. He's been taking a lot of shit on not uh, finding the back of the net in the Serie A, but he's been really good. Um, in this European campaign. He had his best performance of the season um, at home against PSG in the group stage. It was a performance that uh, gave us a lot of hope that we would stay alive in the Champions League. Ultimately, we finished third, and that's why we found ourselves hosting Ren. Uh, but he looked really good, and I liked um, when he made his way, his, uh, his way back to the halfway line for kickoff. He was kind of uh, pointing um to the Kurva Sud and saluting them with a Milan Ultra stand as if to say, like, don't worry about me, I'm staying. There was a lot of noise being made in the paper, especially with the rumor of Mbappe's uh, departure earlier in the week that I guess is now confirmed that Leao would be top of the list uh, to replace him. So it was kind of cool to see him uh, be relieved with scoring, but also kind of pledge his allegiance in a way um, to Milan. I, I, I really enjoyed the game. I know, I remember when the draw came out that I was kind of nervous about getting Ren, because to be honest, there's some names in this Ren's team that I actually think are pretty talented. Uh, I really like Terrier. Kali Mawenda was one of my favorite players, uh, favorite youngsters when he was at Lens. I thought he was ripping up Liga. He got his move to Rennes and hasn't really done much with it. Um, we saw Amin Gawiri come off the bench, someone who was uh, on fire that one season for Nice. A lot of people thought he was going to be France's uh, next big talentsman. He was so good with both feet. Um, I thought he came down and caused some problems. I know Nate alluded to... Um, Ren having some chances towards the end of the game, and I agree. I think uh, 
they gave Milan some things to think about, but I don't think we were ever. Uh, I don't think we ever really looked like conceding, to be honest. Um, and speaking of the defense, I mean, we we saw Malik Tiar come back, which is a huge addition because um, this Kier Matteo Gabby partnership, although it's been uh, going a lot better than I certainly ever would have thought, I think every Milan's been Milan fans been pleasantly surprised at uh, the duo that they formed, but. We know we have uh, probably three center backs that are better um, than the duo that we've been fielding. So it's nice to see T.R. come back, get some minutes in the legs. Um, but yeah, good team performance. I'm glad it looks like Milan's going to take the competition seriously. And I, uh, I'd i be shocked if we didn't go through at this point. Yep, I personally felt like Milan came out to send a message in this game to everybody else in the competition that they wanted everyone to know that they, they want to be the team to beat. Um, I yeah, thought they I were thought, on fire. They looked the like same thing, yeah. they looked like they wanted to score five before halftime. Uh, they probably I don't know if, I don't know if they could have, but I <laughs> think they they certainly came out with the mentality that they wanted to. Um, yeah. But overall, I think it was it's like you said, it's great great to see Leao um, find the back of the net. And like you said, I, I I that was the most noticeable thing for me was his celebration. I he looked like a man who had the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders after that going in. So yeah. I think that's great for him and his confidence. Yeah, me too. And I want to big up uh, Florenzi too. Calabria was injured last game. A lot of Milan fans, uh, a lot of Milan fans on Twitter were pretty excited. Uh, as fucked up as it sounds to see our captain go off injured, I'm not gonna lie, I was one of them because I think the team plays a lot better when Florenzi um, is in the side. He makes such good passes forward. He's a very he's underrated, very underrated server of the ball. He has a great cross. I think he's so overrated, underrated across the board. I oh, really dude, do. he has. He plays, in, he plays in a great ball for loves his cheek, and he he he, has, he actually asks a lot of questions uh, of teams' back lines when he's able to go forward, um, like a Walmart brand Trent, uh, if you will, when he's in the Milan side. I always love when he plays. He gives a hundred and ten percent, and that was the type of performance he put in tonight. So yeah, really good. It was good to see Pioli uh, put some uh, reintroduce some names into the team, rather. And yeah, I I have full expectations. For Milan to at least reach the final, if I'm going to be honest. So we'll see. Yeah. So, Ange, uh, real quick, uh, what are your what's your take on these your two Chelsea transfers, uh, Loftus Cheek and and Pulisic? Because I definitely didn't have uh, high hopes for them, and Pulisic yeah, more early and Loftus Cheek recently. Um, really look like they're they're kind of Loftus making a name for themselves. Six goals in 2024 right now. Yeah, I think it's five in his last five or something like that that I saw. Um, but to answer your question, I know I wasn't particularly pleased with Pulisic mm. coming in, but I think the reason is that Pulisic and especially Loftus Cheek were two players that never really got consistent playing time at any club that they've been in. They, they never were, like, really had injured too, but they never really had the love. Yeah, and always injured. And yeah, I mean, going in to this season, I was concerned that um, I was definitely concerned with Loftus Cheek, somebody who is seems to always be injured, especially coming into a Aside like Milan, where um, a lot of Milan Twitter fans make memes of the medical staff. Uh, and, I mean, look at our back line this season. I mean, we've had a ton of injuries. I think we've had the most injuries in the Serie A. Um, and I'm, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx this, but I'm shocked that Loftus-Cheek hasn't been one of the ones to pick up a long-term injury. But, I mean, Loftus-Cheek has always shown the ability to play. And I think um, maybe it's because the pace of the Serie A is a little slower and he's in a role where... He really wants to play. Chelsea, he was never really given the license to go right. forward. I mean, he's playing as Milan's number 10 
I mean, yeah, he's he, so right good, Chelsea. Exactly, he's yeah. So, there was points he was playing center back, he was playing yeah. false nine, he was playing right right wing, so he never really had a true position. So yeah. I mean, maybe I just... the number 10 is definitely his best position. I think we've I think even at Milan, we've seen that. Yeah. When like, he's close to the goal, that's, that's when he's at his best. I agree, and when he's given the license to go forward, I mean, he's he's shown an ability to, to carry the ball 50, 60, 70 yeah. yards. Physically, he's... Relatively easily. I mean, he's super imposing. He commands a ton of space. I've loved Loftus Cheek's performances. I think he's been quietly one of our best players this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hats off to the recruitment because I think they brought in two solid players, and I think it's something Milan's been doing the last couple of seasons is bringing, yeah, in, pl- bringing in players. Yeah, I mean, bringing in players who, who had talent and never really got enough love, never really got consistent time, and it's cool to see them flourish um, in the red and black. So, yeah, I mean, that was a great question. I... I I've been more pleased with Loftus Cheek, I think, than Pulisic, just because, given my history of when I played yeah. the game, is I always played midfield, and I I do tend to watch midfield battles closer than, I mean, I feel like there's a hundred Pulisic's that exist, to be honest. But Loftus Cheek, I think, has some qualities that you don't really find too often. He's he's pretty technical with the ball at his feet for being such a big guy. He can move, he can create space, big. and he definitely drags defenders out of position. He he can pull the whole team forward. So he's been great. I'm glad he's been getting uh, the love that his career has kind of always deserved. I know he's he's not the youngest. I mean, he's 28. It's a shame that we took him until this point in his career to nail down a starting role at a big team in Europe. Uh, but we'll see. He's somebody who I think uh, has always deserved a chance, and it's it's been nice to see it be at Milan. So. And blame the Gillette Stadium turf for that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, um, and speaking on Pulisic, I think uh, – if if anything, he's brought a little bit of balance because obviously Milan right. past couple of seasons have been so left side heavy with Liao over yeah. there carrying yeah. a lot of the weight. So he's he's kind of brought that down on his side, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's something we talked about in the last podcast where I was. Yeah, I know Jason wasn't here, but you know I was kind of asking the question of like, you know, what do people expect from Liao? Because right. you know last season it was it was this talk of being too Liao heavy, and when yeah. it's not him that's scoring, you know who is? I mean, Liao didn't even need to score in this game. In reality, it's it's nice that we have players like Loftus Sheik and even Pulisic that can find the back of the net. So, yeah, I'm yeah. hoping for more of the same. Yeah, and before we move, um, I do I just want to say you must feel pretty good, Ange, because like you were mentioning with the whole rotation in the midfield, I mean Loftus Sheik has yeah. proven in 2024 that he can put the ball in the back of the net and in big games. Like a lot of times when you guys need mm-hmm. goals, you're not getting it from anywhere else. He's put a couple in the back of the net to win games, and then of course the fact that you know. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Ben Asser, and then of course uh, uh, Adley, and then Musa and Rainers can all swap in that those dab- double pivot position, and they all do yeah. a really good job, no matter the partnership. So you have to yeah. be really comfortable with that. I am. I, I do. I honestly love the midfield room that we have right now. It's probably my favorite one since I've been a Milan fan. I know I was pretty sad um, when Tonali was sold, and maybe I didn't really understand the vision at the time. But I mean. I think the the five midfielders we have are, are pretty good, in my opinion. I, I like what the qualities they have. They all kind of have different qualities, and I think it gives – I have to give Pioli credit again because I think he's done a good job of, of implementing all of them, and he hasn't really asked anyone to play um, in a role that they're not comfortable with, which I think speaks a lot to Pioli, but we'll see. That's enough about Milan. I, yeah. I don't want to jinx them. We can move to uh, Benfica now, who uh, – 
Kind of luckily team. got the win, huh? Yeah. Very lucky. Don't uh, don't say kind of. Another so, another red team that hosted a French team, and uh, they won on two pens from Di Maria, who was calm, cool, and collected. As that's what they brought him in to be. Uh, a leader and score some goals and he scored both pens but yeah i think it was a bit of a scrape of a win but i'll let jay start before i put my two cents yeah i mean scrape yes but i mean we were the better side for sure they played better they should be winning this but i mean this is this is one that i'm i'm gonna put on the manager um because uh, we've talked about this a lot he's great at creating tactics getting players and to play better and all that stuff but his game management is just not good um, I mean, you guys have, have seen me in the chat. I'm ready to, to fire Jomadi into the sun. I don't want to see him play again for this team because right. the way they play, he doesn't fit it. He doesn't fit the style. He doesn't really do um, what we're looking for. Why um, is it? Can you explain why? Because you do say that every Benfica game, and I'm str- I kind of struggle sometimes yeah. understand why. I know I don't watch Benfica play that closely, but why? Why do you think we're or like? What type of profile do you like to see? Is there a player? in the squad that you'd like to see start? I know you said um, when Devin Neres came off the yep. bench that he was going to change the game. Did you think that he did? or Yeah, you, I'd, take, I'd take any forward on our bench over Joel Mario at this <laughs> point because they all have more pace, they're more creative, um, yeah. and they can kind of attack. I mean, I, I, I get, Muratu gets a lot of the stick too, which is not really much of his fault, but it's more because of um, he's filling in for injured players and players we don't have in the team. Um, and out of position, but we have nothing on the left side. Right. We have we rely on all of our creativity to either come through the middle, which is tough to get through because we're usually playing against a, a team parking the bus, or we're asking Di Maria, who I think just turned what 38, 36, yeah, something like that, to carry the team, and he did it again today. So I think it's really you lose a lot by playing him in the teams. Like yeah, he'll give you a good rating, he'll get some passes going, he'll do anything, but. He, he tries to do more than he's capable of, and he's lost a step. So I think when we've signed all of these young players, um, and we have uh, Davinares coming back from injury, I don't know why we still continue to turn to him. And like I, I said after, the second Neres came in, the game switched. We now had uh, a threat on both wings. Um, and then I was also disappointed that we subbed out... Um, that uh, young kid uh, left back, that Alvaro, I think Car- Carreras. Alvaro yeah, you've been Carreras. you've been talking about him Alvaro the last Grandes, couple weeks. Yeah. yeah, he's he's solid, but I mean, like, yeah, he's a kid. He's gonna make a little bit, uh, a few more mistakes, and kind of maybe miss a few um, opportunities to to kind of attack that you'd get with experience. But um, yeah, he he was subbed off after after sixty minutes. I don't think he played too poor. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think they played well, but. I think you knew very early on Arthur Cabral did not have it this game. This 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 back line was tough for him. He didn't really find his place here. And he's played 87 minutes when I think he probably we knew within 45 that he should be he should be um replaced for Marcos Leonardo who scores three goals off the bench and still can't get a start. So I mean, there's a couple couple questions to be asked. Um I don't mind Ba not starting, but even when he came in, our right side looked better because he's a real right back um but um yeah it's just a little frustrating this is a game where i'd like to see a little bit more of what sporting did with the rotation and um and get some new players um into starting positions and catch a little bit of form because i think this is our our issue is we end up having 
four or five players in form and we can't turn to the bench for anybody because we're just playing everybody all the time. So, yeah, yeah, that's just, I mean, yeah, we got the result. I'll take it. But now we have to go away and also get a result and kind of hold out, which is going to be a little tough. I genuinely think the the squad rotation, I think, is a great point, too, because the result kind of leaves you open to the fact that now you can't you can't rotate in the second. You kind of have to go full strength now and play your best team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to say I, I I really don't understand why Bod doesn't doesn't start this game because I think uh, it's the injury thing. Ease him in, right? But but I feel like I mean it's a rotation game. He ends up playing, you know, at least a f- half an hour, and he I think he could at least I at least he could, he could play for fifty minutes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think for me with Bod, I think he was he's so integral to this team that you really cannot lose. You can't afford to lose him the rest of the year. Right. So I would I'm fine with the with the ease him in and kind of play him short minutes. But I mean, the substitutions, I think were piss poor to be honest with you. And I, I'll explain yeah. why I said that because, because a, um, I think with, um, he goes by a couple different names, but Alvaro on the left side, um, he, he played mostly a good game. I think at the moment that they were subbing him off, I think Befica had started to lose the role, the pace of the game. I think mm-hmm. um, Toulouse started to build into it. Um, and I think he was kind of slipping. So it, it felt right in the moment to pull him out. So I'm not totally upset with that. Yep, my my issue is then you force Auschwitz onto the left side. Um, you, you put in you put in Ba, of course. But then you take Jean Mario and put in Neres. And then Neres, now with Auschwitz behind him, who isn't a true defender, right? is now forced Nedes is not he doesn't work defensively and I'm gonna be honest right. with you to lose score because Nedes doesn't mark him whatsoever and that is if you watch the replay he's sleeping he's like thinking he's gonna start a counterattack or whatever it might be probably high he looks always looks high right um so yeah he brings a little bit forward but then he doesn't bring anything back and now you're forcing someone who isn't a true defender to do all of the defending and right. then he can't keep up with it. And then, uh, of course, Artur Cabral. I mean, he had a flash or two. I saw a couple moments where he actually almost had a really nice finish at the uh, the, yeah. the the Toulouse the Toulouse um, keeper actually stood his ground, had a nice right hand onto the ball, and kept it out of the net. But besides that, he doesn't apply much to the game. And then Marcus Leonardo gets what five minutes in the game, has a little bit of something, something. But draws a penalty. Draws the penalty. But those five minutes was the most we got out of the position the entire game. So it's just it, that that's the tough part because I mean Arthur Cabral's been great. I don't mind him starting the game. I don't mind him giving some extra minutes. But yeah, when he's a type of player Did like his, that right? his, he's been he's been you playing very that. well. All right, he's playing very well. Arthur Cabral in recent, sucks. Okay. In, in recent weeks, he's been playing. yeah. The last last three four sure weeks, that right from you. He's been great. I I, I mean, I still stand by. There's the, he's a he has a certain player profile that fits certain scenarios, or rather, is really bad in certain scenarios. And I think this is a game where he doesn't fit. So I think they should have realized it a bit earlier, um, and moved on to either. Marcos Leonardo or even even Tankstead, just something different, um, and I think that's what this was missing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to rotation, dude, I'm concerned. I don't want Di Maria playing 90 minutes every week, especially yeah. if we're gonna go through every this match. run of games where we're playing every three days. Right. Like, I want some rotation. I want some some of these young kids to to get some time and and rely on other players because one injury in in any of uh, um, Rafa, Di Maria, Neves, we're screwed. Season's over. I I generally don't understand too because 
Besides the, we talked about, you weren't here, Jay, but we did talk about the weird lineup that they fielded against Vitoria de Gimenez, and obviously it wasn't a good result. But you did have almost all of your starting players, right? You realize you didn't play all that well. Juan Mario got subbed off at halftime. Why? Because you must have known he played poorly. Bob played the full 90s, so I, I don't even know how much I can agree with you. Not saying that he shouldn't get rested, but how much mm -hmm. Roger Schmidt is actually even worried about his injury because he plays a full 90 at the weekend. Um. And, and, and why he doesn't introduce a single player besides Fernandez on the left back. No other player comes in that isn't a usual starter. And it, it's unreal to me. Like when you have Tangstad, who's touted to have a lot of potential. You have Florentino Luis, who, who plays every now and then. Why not play him in, in, in the cup match where he can hold that hold down the midfield to give Neves a break? Uh, you have yeah. you have even Tomas Arruzzo, who's been playing really well when he gets in. It just doesn't make sense why you don't give anyone else a chance from the get-go. I don't know. I, th yeah. I think Roger it's funny. is losing it a little bit sometimes. I think I think the lineup, the weird lineup they feel the last week would have actually worked great in in this game because I think that would fit it. But when you're going into a, in that situation last game, when it comes to the the field conditions and everything, I, I think it it just didn't make sense. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm worried about the game management piece. That's really it. And the player management, because tactically, I mean, we look fantastic. Like these guys are pulling stuff out of their ass that I haven't seen Benfica players do in a while, and we have some fantastic talent. And the the level of play has increased in almost every player yeah. since Roger Schmidt has has arrived. But I I still can't get over the way we kind of fall apart because we can't rotate and we can't look to the bench for for anybody because. Nobody's been playing consistently enough. Yeah. So when I ask Nate and Jay, can I ask you guys? A, I don't yeah. know if this is a dumb question, but it, it's a question that intrigues me. Because um, you guys are both pretty much competing for the same the same trophies this season. Yep. You guys are neck right. and neck in the league. You're playing each other in the semifinals of the League Cup, uh, and you're both in the Europa League as well. Would you guys be disappointed, or would you be happy with being knocked out of the Europa League so you could focus more on the league? I'll let you answer. Um. For me, I would. I, be I already know. I would be disappointed getting getting knocked out. I'd be very disappointed knocked out. One because I think we have a we should be competing in this. I think we yeah. should be we should be good enough to be competing in Champions League. Realistically, um, we had a horrible campaign. Um, so I I would be disappointed. Um, I don't know about how Nate feels. Uh, I'm surprised you you think you know what I'm going to say, Ange. Uh, I mean, of can course. I, can I guess? Yeah, actually, please. I want to see. You don't give a fuck if you get knocked out of the Europa League this really? year. Really? You think so? You don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> no, I would. If I were you, I wouldn't give a shit. Um, yeah, I, I, I probably would be less upset um, than Jay. Yeah, you I'll agree. definitely less upset than I'd Jay. I'd be less I upset think. than Jay. I, I think if, if we go, I'd be very upset if we go on to lose this like at home. I think that would be the most upset. But if we go on yeah, to the next round, get a challenging opponent, and we put up a good fight and get knocked out, I'm not going to be overly upset because, of course, like you said, now all our efforts go into the league. We don't have to rotate almost ever. We'll just play one game a week besides the cup matches, which is only three games left anyway of that. Um, so, yeah, I think... Jay, I think Befica should be looking more towards this Europa League than Sporting should be, in my opinion. Obviously. Yeah, and I th we have the deeper team for it, but we're just not using it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I was going to say, because personally for me, like when I look at Benfica's squad, they should be competing to make the final at least, at least or in the semifinals. We've got three and, center backs that should be playing, three center mids that could be playing at any time, four right. wingers that could be playing at any time, two strikers that could be playing at any time. So, I mean, 
we should do it, but we're just not taking advantage of yeah. what we have. For me, like for Sporting, it almost feels like you guys are built to go in the league this year. Yeah. You know, the cup competitions aren't really your focus. Yeah. I, I would, I would, uh, I would have to agree that I think Sporting has built this team right now to get this quick short-term success. It's not super deep. We don't want to win a whole lot of competitions. Um, but in terms of form, we're playing excellent, so we have the ability to go win the league. I think Befica actually are the exact opposite to the point where they have less of a good form right now, but more players that can compete in the first 11. You know what I mean? They have, um, they have a team more built for cup competitions right. than Fika. Right, more team. experience. Yeah. Can we, uh, can we open up? Uh, the question, where, yeah. or kind of branch it out, I want to ask you guys, what, what's your expectation for the Europa League now? We've played a game. I know it's still early doors, but uh, where do you guys expect your individual teams to, to to finish? How far do you think you guys get in the Europa League? Because I'll start. I, I honestly fully expect Milan to get to the final. We don't have to win, but I think anything, certainly anything short of the semifinals, I think is a failure, in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm in the same boat. But I think definitely before this game, after this game, I'm concerned if we can get there, but I think right. it's still the expectation. Got you. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you have to look at the competition that's still left in this cup. I know uh, eventually we're going to get some of these. There's a lot of good teams. There's yeah. a lot of good teams. Some of these heavyweights are going to play each other really early, right? I mean, we still have yeah. that are not playing in this, what they call a knockout round. Uh, Leverkusen's not playing yet. Slava Prague, okay, Villarreal, but then we still have Liverpool and Atalanta. Rangers have been pretty competitive this season. I mean, yep. Brighton, we know our class team, and they will not play down to anyone. Um, and then, of course, West Ham is up and down, but they can perform really well on the occasion. So, Marseille, who I think, right? Yeah, Mar Marseille is in this in this knockout round. We didn't mention the game, but still, these saw, are um, these are big teams. Uh, yeah, I, to speak of Marseille, I think I just saw today. Aubameyang is the Europa League's top goal scorer all wow. time. Wow, he's wow. today. Talk about mid. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is insane. So I, I, it depends. I think, I think this Europa League is going to be a lot about, and it's pretty obvious and easy to say, but it's going to be a lot about what matchups happen when because uh, yeah, there's so many really big teams that if if someone if there's a team that could easily win this game, but if they get a big matchup, don't perform early on in the competition, they're knocked out. But in, in hindsight, they could have won the whole thing. So it's it's tough to call it. Uh, I think Sporting should make a good account of themselves. Probably get into the last eight or so in the quarterfinals. Potentially, I think they're they're good enough in terms on form. Um, but I mean, if they don't make the semis, I'm not going to cry about it. I think quarterfinals would be a respectable run, especially if we come up against a Liverpool or an Atalanta or or um, or a Bayer Leverkusen. You know what I mean? And of yeah. course, any of you guys. Uh, what about you, G? Uh, yeah, for me personally, I, I think um, we'll be lucky to, to even make it past Feyenoord, honestly. I really believe that we'll be lucky to make it past this round. Um, and if we do make it past this round, I think the round of 16 will be as far as we go. Uh, I think the likelihood that we draw a team that is stronger than us, better than us, and just more well-prepared in every facet uh, at this point in the season right now is is going to be drawn against us, and they're just going to uh, make easy work of us. So I... I to be quite honest with you, uh, I think my hopes are pretty much uh, dashed for the Europa League this season already. I kind of hope nice. one of us get matched up in the next round. I think I'd, I'd love to see it. It'd be fun. It would be awesome. It would be uh, awesome. My next question was, when, at what point can you draw teams from your same country? Is it, uh, uh, I think it's got to be quarters, right? I think it's, I think it's next final. round, oh. but 
Um, I none think of the playoff teams will draw each other. Playoff versus group winners. I ah, think that's the way. Right. Right. Yeah, right. So yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. any of us can play each other next round. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, we can't. Oh, meet that's actually kind of sick. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we'll meet each other late if we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if, if we're gonna play each other, it's gonna be an important game. That's for sure. Nice. There are just three more games across the competitions that I just want to quickly mention. We won't dive too deep in them I, before we wrap up Europa League. Uh, Braga got messed up at home. I, obviously, they, they had a poor performance at the weekend at the hands of Sporting, who completely dominated them. I would have thought they would have tried to bounce back in this game at home against Karabag, um, but they got bounced 4-2. It was a tough match. Um they just couldn't get in it. I mean, Karabag, it's not a team that we talk about too often, but there's a couple names in here that, you know, real soccer nerds, real streets will never forget kind of names are in here. I mean, you have, you do have um, Zubir, who's a Moroccan player. He's really good. I, I've I've seen him come around. I think he played in, in Liga. Uh, Jankovic, Marco Jankovic played in the Serie A for a while. Yeah. His name gets passed around, you know. Um, Man like Benzio. Yeah, Benzia. Yasin Benzia, what a throwback he was seeing him play today. I know. Even um, even the likes of, uh, for me and Jay a little bit, a player, Jun- Ramal, Juninho, right? Juninho yeah. too, up top. He plays. Yeah. Um, he played in, in the Portuguese league. So there's a, there's a couple names in here. You know, they've played at, you know, semi-high levels and they have the experience. So it's not like they were unprepared or they're not talented. So uh, Braga just didn't go into this game very well. Um, Salazar yeah. still had a decent performance. I'm going to keep Tough saying Tough run for them. But yeah. um, I, I would I would definitely be concerned if I'm uh, Arthur George. Yeah, his head is on the block. Um, I think their uh, their president is is kind of known for having a short leash, so um, that's something to keep an eye out. Yeah, yeah it sucks for them. They they've lost all their big games uh, yeah. the last couple of weeks. Feel bad. Yeah, I want to give a. Shout I mean, out. they won the they won the cup final, but yeah, I mean, they lost to Benfica, lost to Port, lost to Sporting last week. Obviously, they've shipped nine goals in two games. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, Crystal Palace, or, yeah. or was it West Ham? West Ham. West Ham. West Ham has a lot West of goals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to give a little shout out. I was I was texting my cousins about the games, and uh, he made a funny, poor translation from a Portuguese saying. But he said that Arthur George was cooking without a stove. But it, it, it makes sense because what well, we've touted this Braga team, they made a lot of good transfers, right? And 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 they so they have the material, you know, to 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 play good games. And I don't know what's going on tactically. He's just not getting it right. Um, so it was just a funny thing he said, but it, it's true nonetheless. Um, and then two games that I wanted to shout out from the Conference League. Uh, in my opinion, it wasn't super exciting um, as of yet. I think it'll get better a little bit later. And there's still a couple of teams in the Conference League that um, may, could do some damage, could have some fun games. But at two games we had, we did have the USG versus Frankfurt. Two um, bigger sides in their respective leagues, too. Um, having some ups and downs in their seasons. USG is one of the better teams in um, Belgium. But they touted a 2-2 game. Um, USG went down to 10 men at one point. Um, but yeah. this is a fun little game. There are a couple of really good players on either side, I think. Um, so it was just an interesting one to watch out for the second leg. I think that if, if you're a little bored next week and you want to watch a game, this is one you could definitely watch if you have nothing else to see. And then, of course, we also had Ajax, who we know we've been talking about how to, has had a pretty poor season. They're trying to climb the Eredivisie again. They're trying to make up for it. Um, and they tried here. They managed to salvage a goal. They were down 2-0 until the 90th minute, and they scored two in extra time, which is unreal. Uh, but Bodo Glimp yeah. keeps popping up. I know uh, that'll be a team. Uh, Rome, Norwegian uh, nightmares. Gino, <laughs> Gino's well. Um, but they pull out some performances. Obviously, they must have felt comfortable going into the 90th minute. Dude, I got to be honest with you. I watched a bit of this game today. And yeah. every time I see this Bodo Glimp team play, they just play some 
outstanding football. I mean, the brand the brand of, of soccer that they play is great. It's it's so easy and so pleasing on the eye. Uh, both goals that they scored, they really ripped uh, Ajax to shreds. Yeah. I mean, the first one especially, they it's it's only a four or five pass move up the field, and they absolutely got cut to rib- cut to ribbons. Uh, I wanted to shout out Jens Peter Hauga. I thought he was brilliant in this game. Uh, the Milan fans will know him pretty well. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. he was pretty highly rated when he came over to the Serie A, and then and my I mean for me I was saying to Angel earlier today he kind of just dropped yeah. off the face of the earth to me I, I completely yeah. forgot about Jens Peter Hagen completely and then they showed him in the game today I was like holy shit that's him I can't believe it <laughs> but yeah I thought he was great today I think he really uh, made a name for himself I think I believe he's on loan from Frankfurt as well if I'm not mistaken so uh, could be one to watch out for if he does get a move back there but I thought he was brilliant today. Well, what a fall from grace Ajax have had because I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I, the team they're throwing out there just is so it's unimpressive. It's the it's really bad. Are finally, not that good. Yeah, opinion. it's not only that. Like they they've always had some sort of of good, experienced players in there too to kind of right. Yeah, there's keep really no leadership in this team. They don't anymore. have anything. So I mean, it, it's a little disappointing. I mean, granted, after their awful start to the year, they've. They've been in a very good run, specifically in in the in the league. Like they've they've managed to get themselves, uh, I believe, back up to fifth. Fifth, yeah, place, fifth place, yeah. Right. So considering yeah. how bad they were at the start, I think they were what nine games they were in relegation zone still. Yeah. So I mean that's pretty impressive. I mean they're twenty four points off PSV, but still, um, yeah, that's it's very very disappointing to see a, a club like that in that position. I agree. I think it is disappointing, and I think if they go out of the playoff and don't get to the next round now i mean they do have to go away um for yeah. the next leg and they have to win the game uh you all know how hard it is to go to bodo glimped yeah john luca especially nice, so i think nice. um ix i think if there's any chance of ix salvaging some sort of pride from this season it would be to make a run um here in the conference league but think about what we're saying i mean if you said 30 years ago that ix are going to play in it the third worst European competition that didn't even exist yet at the time. This is a team that I think holds, what, three Champions League trophies? Um, it's just remarkable to even think about. It's insane. It's kind of sad. And, uh, yeah, fall from grace, is, it's definitely that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, I do try to watch the Eredivisie, and I just think there's there's no youngsters that really excite me in this team anymore. Um, it's just It's just sad. Kenneth Taylor, I feel like, I mean, he's only 21, but like he hasn't gotten his move yet. And even some of the exports that Ajax have had the last couple seasons, the youngsters kind of haven't like found mm-hmm. their way into big teams. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I, I'm sure the philosophy's always been the same uh, since the Cruyff days. And yeah, I, I, I back them to, to find their feet again, at least in the Eredivisie for next season. But yeah, it's been a weird season. I think they kind of have to progress or else... I don't know, those Ajax fans are tough. You you talk about um, Bayern kind of having this elitist mentality. I feel like the Ajax fans definitely have it too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Sometimes, and they've been getting punched in the mouth by PSV and Feyenoord the last yeah. couple seasons. And, I mean, you look at the performances that those teams are having. I mean, PSV is going to play pretty soon in the knockout stages of the Champions League, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, even Feyenoord. season, right? PSV? Yeah. Yeah, still haven't lost, and even Feyenoord today hosting a team like Roma and being the better side for absolutely nine, 90 minutes. I think Ajax, um, I don't think Ajax are anywhere close to being in the position of doing that. So, which we'll is see. which is funny because I actually think this is really good for the Eredivisie. Oh, it's you're great! Now getting you're getting the the 
I don't want to say smaller teams because they're they're still huge clubs. But I mean, Ajax dominated for years, and yeah. now you finally got some competition with some of these other clubs getting a chance to to really compete for a title. So I mean, it's funny the Eredivisie's ever been stronger, but I don't think Ajax has ever been weaker. Right. No, they haven't. Yeah, and I I think with hindsight, it's been a slow it's been a slow steady decline for Ajax because even their most recent like best team when you know De Jong and De Ligt plied their trade there and they went on that crazy Champions League run and knocked Real Madrid out. Even even I think De Jong and De Ligt have gone on to have you know good careers, but still I don't think they reached the levels of other former Ajax products. You know, like Luis Suarez, one of the best strikers we've seen. Uh, they a lot of time, and they just don't meet it. The levels we expected of them, even yeah, even just from their potential, exactly yeah. hasn't hasn't um hasn't finished out quite right. But to wrap it all up, we will do a quick five aside for our Europe competitions this week. Um, as always, our goalkeeper resident G, who I know you already said you had a name. Please throw it out there. Yes, I do. Uh, Angelo did say it earlier. It was Andre Lunin. He had his best yep. performance, I think, in Real Madrid uh, so far in his young career. So I think he deserves the shout. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that at all. He kept them at bay. And I think Real Madrid win that game mostly because of his performance, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for defenders, Ange, do you want to throw a name out there? Or Jay, if you have one? Oh, I don't know if I have a defender. I have a name. I actually um, was pretty pleased with a former Milan player uh, yesterday, and it was Alessio Romagnoli, somebody who uh, doesn't always catch the eye with his defensive ability, but I thought he played pretty well. He was confident. He kept Harry Kane quiet at home with the Olympico. He obviously helped Lazio to go on to keep a clean sheet. Um, and when you're in a back four and you have the best performance against a Bayern team who fail to have a shot on target i think that's pretty good if you ask me so uh, roman yoli impressed me uh but some other guys i thought um i thought psg's back line was pretty good um like marquinhos. marquinhos in particular i agree because uh dad definitely were pressing the hell out of them in the first half and i think if sociedad um would have grabbed a goal like it like we were saying when we talked about the game it might have been a tie so either one of them i think the lazio result was more shocking um in my opinion so i, I i'd like to pick Alessio Romagnoli. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree because I think, like we said, Bayern didn't have their best game, but they still went out there. They still had some firepower, and they managed to keep that clean sheet, which is super important, obviously, against such a big team. So I I would agree that Romagnoli was in there. Um, And then, Ange, I know you're excited to say this, so I'll let you say it, but I think we have a pretty simple pick for midfield um, with the brace, but please shout your name. Yeah, I already have it written down uh, on our little word doc going on, but it's got to be Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I mean, I thought he was like quite literally head and shoulders above the competition today, two headers, um, but it was a real good all-round performance. He showed his class, he showed his strength again, so I'm all in on on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, I'll I'll throw a shout for De Bruyne. Uh, Yeah, he was good too. If you want to consider him a forward or, or, or mid, maybe it's more for flex. Um, each had a goal and assist, um, so I'll, I'll give them a quick shout too. I can't believe I'm going to do it, but I'm going to shout a Lazio player. I thought Ganduzi was fantastic. I think he at least deserves a yeah, mention. Yeah, I know. I know he was good. I said that earlier too. I thought he was the best player in that game, but I got to go with Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, I yeah. think Loftus-Cheek deserves that one. Uh, forward position, maybe I'm mistaken, but I, I think it, it's slightly a tough one because I didn't think we had too many standouts. I know Jay is going to want to throw Di Maria out there for his, his yeah. brace. 
but I just think I don't think in open play Di Maria played all that well. That yeah, G, I'm I'm kind of going there. I know I G, he's going to throw that. No, it wasn't his best game, but I think he did also was the source of most of that attack, most of that creativity in that game. Um, and he did did end up scoring the two penalties. And granted, they were penalties, but he still got to score them. Um, so yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that uh, benefit. But uh, I am I'm happy to uh, include anyone else if you guys got somebody. I wanted to shout Igor Peshaw. I thought he was brilliant today. I mean, he he was a ridiculous, like on another level. Honestly, he was the best player on the field by a mile. He was finding space in every every area and every attack. I just we really couldn't do anything about him today at all. So I think he deserves a mention. I actually give a name because I actually um I know it might not have been one of his best performances, but I was I was pretty impressed with Mbappe. To be honest, I thought Mbappe was pretty good. He was making things happen for PSG as he always does. But yeah, I agree. I'm having a hard time I think in names that, that stood out um attacking wise. Really only two for me were Mbappe and and Paishal. Maybe Di Maria would have stood out to me if I actually watched the game, but uh Milan was playing at the same time so I didn't um uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'll give it to you guys to, to pick one. Yeah, I mean, you could even mention, it just depends on where we put players in the field, because I know Foden gets really forward, but I still classify him as a midfielder. Brahim Diaz, I think, had an excellent game. I mm. just don't know if I qualify him as a forward. It's tough. I think the conversation for Flex is going to go midfield. Um, heavy bias. But I, I think, yeah, I think Baishawa deserves a shout. I think... Um, if if you're especially for coming from G, who obviously suffered at the hands of him, um, is able to mm-hmm. say that about him, I think that's a good quality. I think Sporting's forwards play really well as well today, but um, n- nothing to stand out for as a as a sort of man of the week performance. So I, I can give it to Paisha. I think that's my vote. Yeah, too. I think he was definitely the most impressive forward I saw this week. Yeah. I'd have to agree. And for Flex, I, I did mention, I think it's going to go to a midfielder. We had a couple of shouts. I don't think it was an it was an easy decision for the best player, but second best midfielder this week, I don't think it was a simple one. I know we already mentioned KDB, Foden. Um, Guendouzi. Guendouzi. We meant, I, who did I just finish mentioning that I'm blanking out? Ibrahim um, uh, Diaz, you know what I mean? So this is a couple of good players. So it's going to be tough if anybody wants to solidify a pick for this vote. I like yeah, Raheem Diaz. Tough. Ah, I think I, like that. Something about that goal just really reminded me of really Messi. I don't know. What, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the way he moved his body and the fact that he hit it with his left foot and curled it to the far post. But I'm yeah, telling you, I, dude, I, I like this performance, especially dude, filling in Jude's role. People are gonna be like shockingly surprised that Raheem Diaz's ability to receive the ball, yeah. um, seventy yards away from goal, drop his shoulder year in and year out at Milan now. Dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the few players I've ever seen yeah. do it. I likened him to to uh, Ricky Kaká a couple of times. To be honest, yeah. he's he has scored a couple Kaká-esque goals, um, where he picks it up around the halfway line and uh, makes his way down the field um, in blistering fashion. I'm I'm fine. With, I don't I don't mind. We got a couple former uh, Milan guys in this team. I like this. Yeah, I think Brahim Diaz. Uh, he he gets my vote personally. I, I think my next pick was either Foden or KDB. I think Foden actually managed to outshine KDB a little bit. I know we've been having that conversation how he's been in such good form before. Yep. De Bruyne came back from injury, but uh, I think Brahim Diaz had to fill in. And Jude Bellingham has been putting Real Madrid on his back when they didn't have all their firepower, and he filled that role really really well. Like we already mentioned. Um, so I think he deserves the credit from us to as as one of the best players of the week. I agree. Not mad about it. Perfect. We are in agreement. Um, so 
It was another good week of Europe. We have another round of Champions League fixtures, different teams this time. The same teams in the Europa League and Conference League will be duking it out next week. So that's going to be really fun and exciting. All of us will be here again to talk about our clubs, but then a new round of Champions League teams. Um, we'll also be talking about the league games at the weekend, so make sure you catch that video as well. It's going to be a lot of double sessions for us over the next couple of weeks, but this is what we're passionate about. It's what we love doing, and we hope you love it too. So have a great weekend. We will see you next time, and keep on being so good.